Hemlock Knots. Cracking the restoration's toughest subjects through rational, balanced analysis of source material. So baptism for the dead, simply, I think Mosiah 8 covers everything. If you die without the law, you're not, you're okay as, as our little children because of the atonement of Christ Alive in the most simplest form. Why baptism for the dead? What's the history as you understand it, how that started, or what do you know about that? Um, I mean, a friend of mine, Matt, helped me put together a brief timeline of, of some of his notes of, of where this originated. Um, you know, January 21st, 1836, the first thing on his, his list was, um, and the voice came of the Lord, and, and thus came the voice of the Lord unto me, saying, all who have died without a knowledge of this gospel, who would have received it if they had been permitted to tarry, shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom of God. Now that's about, I think, Alvin, Joseph's brother, he's, he's referring mm-hmm. to so there's that idea that like, look, if you would have received it with all your heart, if you would have been allowed to tarry, then you will be saved in the kingdom of God. There's no mention of an ordinance or baptism or anything attached. There's no condition attached to that, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe that could be um, the idea that, you know, those who died without law, you know, in, in DNC 76, it talks about how they will, you know, they're of a terrestrial nature, right? So... um July 1838, Joseph Smith's Answers to Questions, published in the Elder's Journal. Question, if the Mormon doctrine is true, what has become of all those who have died since the days of the apostles? The answer, which they believe was written by Joseph. The answer, quote, all those who have not had an opportunity of hearing the gospel and being administered by an inspired man in the flesh must have it hereafter before they can be finally judged, end quote. So there's that little snippet. That was July 1838. As you can tell, this is much, much later on in Mormon theology, long after the apostasy, long after the, the condemnation and stuff like that. You know, the Kirtland period, the Missouri War era, the Nauvoo period, you're seeing a, a high evolution of doctrine into stuff that was just not Book of Mormon at all, right? Yeah. Nothing in the Book of Mormon about baptisms for the dead. Um, in fact, there's a lot of stuff about the atonement itself that suggests that... Um, it's impossible. Like you can't do that. Like you can't be baptized. I mean, even DNC's 22 says something to the effect of, I'm going to paraphrase it here, but a man can be baptized a hundred times and it avails him nothing. Right. Except, you know, you got to enter in at the gate, which is the baptism of fire and the Holy ghost, which is the full baptism as Nephi taught in second Nephi 31. Born of the spirit. Yeah. The gate is the, you know, Jesus is the keeper of the gate. He employs no servant there. You know, he's the keeper of the gate. He employs no servant there. And so people need to come unto Christ, I think, fully. Um, And that's what's hard about baptisms for the dead. How do you, Mike, give to one of your ancestors, by proxy, a broken heart and a contrite spirit and a repentant Mm -hmm. attitude? Yeah. Show show me how, and I'll believe in baptisms for the dead. But until you can figure that part out of it, the heart and the condition and the repentance side that's necessary for any of this stuff to work, that's just another dead work we're doing in the temples. We're running on the treadmills and wasting our time there, as far as I'm concerned. Because baptism, even Joseph Smith said, you might as well baptize a bag of sand if it's not done in view of the remission of sins or the baptism of fire. Bring forth, yeah, fruit, meat for repentance. Yes, Uh, yes. And I don't know how to make spirits do that. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. Right. So my understanding, uh, I guess, from, of course, the RLDS never embraced this doctrine. And once again, I, I believe Joseph gave the revelation or uh, it's it was removed from our doctrine and covenants and was in the appendix for a long time and then taken out. I think it was section 107. Um, but how, uh, well, you can't even, even the laying on of hands for the spirit, I think, has been referred to as the baptism of the spirit. And I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily 100%. So you, you, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, when you're confirmed or have the hands laid on you in symbolism of the baptism. But that's still, you have to have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Uh, and I believe at some point, God uh, makes manifest to you that you're saved in his kingdom. You have a, a just a relationship with him. As the Book of Mormon says, those, those priesthood men were so, they had no more disposition to do evil. I believe that's the final changed heart of being baptized and born again that you have to have to enter into the kingdom. That's yeah. Important. You have to have a mighty change of heart. I mean, and, and so Alma in 34, Alma 34, he talks about how there cometh, if you procrastinate the day of your repentance, uh, there comes a night time where no work can be, can be performed. You can't do any work. As, like if you've procrastinated all of your days repenting, like, sorry, like you, you kind of missed out on that opportunity, you know? But the Book of Mormon is also very clear that if you die without the law or your little children, they need no baptism. Uh, Mormon 8, verse 22, maybe, says something to the effect of repentance is for those who are under the curse of a broken law. They have need to repent. Not children, not people who had no law. And so... Most of the baptisms for the dead we're doing for people. These people died without law, largely. So mm. maybe maybe they're alive in Christ, maybe they're not. But the Book of Mormon is very clear. Like, look, you don't need to repent unless you've been given the law and you've broken it. Children don't need that. It's pretty pretty silly, I think. Okay, so do we have a clear... Yeah, we're, people were being baptized in Nauvoo for the dead before the temple. So it's pretty much tied right directly into the temple work for the LDS. Uh, they had to, they had to have the Nauvoo temple built by a certain date or the Lord would no longer accept their baptisms for the dead. Is that correct? Uh, I guess. Yeah. But some people, some people think, I mean, there's not a lot of stuff on this. Mm. There's some that suggest that yes, baptizing ancestors and some people believe that, Hey, there's something to this, but, you have to be very selective in who you do. If you know this person had a really good heart, maybe you can baptize them. I don't know. But um, I, I just don't see it being a, a thing in history. You know, the 1 Corinthians 15, 29, people are talking about, it's a chapter on, it's a chapter not about baptism for the dead. It's about resurrection. And there Paul, is a, Paul's yeah. talking to these people who don't believe in the resurrection. He's like, then why are they baptizing for the dead? This apostate group, why are these guys baptizing for the dead if they don't even believe in the resurrection? Paul's not saying the Latter-day Saints are baptizing for the dead in the temples. He, he's never said that. He's talking about a group of people who don't even believe in the resurrection concept. These are not the saints that are baptizing for the dead. They're other people. Yeah, he was making a point, and, and that's that's a scripture that is used out of context so much to oh, justify that. Yeah. Uh, see, in the Bible, it says baptisms for the dead are a thing. Just like I know. Deacons. <laughs> Read it very carefully. It's, it's, uh, it's actually Paul's ragging on that group of people, you know? So as far as you knowing source material, is it a legitimate 
is it a legitimate revelation that we know came from the hand of Joseph Smith? Or uh, even if it didn't, I don't know. I, I think it did, but they were still practicing it while he was alive. That's, yeah. that's documented, definitely. So it Th- There are hints that Joseph Smith talked about it. Yeah, it was a thing in Nauvoo, no doubt about it. I'm not saying that it was, it was made up or whatever, but I think Joseph could have been sucked into it. Um, I don't know. There's just not a lot of explaining from him about how it all works. Okay. Maybe there is some way that something happens. I, I don't know. But as we're doing it now in the modern Latter-day Saint church, oh, no. not even close. Swing and a miss. Major. There's no way that that can be compatible with the atonement as taught in the Book of Mormon, in my opinion. This house I live in now, I bought from a RLDS couple that had, that he was actually the pastor of a church where my mom and dad uh, my mom went to nursing school here in Independence a long time ago, but he they left the RLDS church and joined the LDS church because of the fact that the RLDS didn't practice baptism for the dead and that that had to be a saving ordinance that was part of their culture. And I thought that was interesting that that was the thing that brought them over to the other side. Um, curious. That's uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um. So baptism for the dead was a thing in Nauvoo. They were doing it. Nobody's denying that. Um, Whether or not it fits into the scriptural teachings about the atonement, that's where most people have a problem. So little children are alive in Christ. Paul talks about being alive in Christ. If you transcend the law, the law, if you're living by the law of dead works and carnal commandments, then you are dead in Christ and you need to be reborn. You need to be baptized. You need to be... So you have metaphorically teachings in the scriptures where people are alive in Christ and dead, dead into the law. So maybe that's what's being referred to as baptisms for the dead, is that those who are spiritually dead need to be reborn and, and baptized. So I don't know. And and maybe there's a chance, I don't know, I don't have a lot of evidence either way, but could Joseph Smith have been talking about something besides baptizing dead ancestors when he talked about baptizing for the dead? Who were the dead? Were the dead the same group of people that were cursed, smitten, condemned, and left to flounder in Kirtland and Nauvoo? Maybe. William Marks was talking about how Joseph Smith was preparing for a reformation. Disband the whole church and start over. Mm-hmm. Right? He's hinting towards, like, that's where Joseph's mind was, according to William Marks. Um, what, uh, were, were the saints dead in Nauvoo? Did they need a rebaptism of sorts? Right? And now here's the weird thing. In DNC, uh, what is it? 120? No. What's the section about uh, the, this temple being built? And if you run out of time, then you, you get cut off. Oh, I, well, I think it is. 124. It's 124 okay. in, in ours. Um, and it's the January 1841 thing. So here's the deal you have a just God who's merciful, too, right? Mm hmm. And he's telling the people on the earth, hey, if you don't get this temple built in time, I'm going to cut off you and you're dead. How is that fair for the dead people? <laughs> if the people on the earth procrastinated and it's their fault the temple wasn't built, you're telling me all the spirits in prison are like, shoot, that sucks. I guess we'll all be condemned because they didn't build a temple. Like, right. how is that fair? How is that just? Does that really ring true of the God that you know in your mind? doesn't me. 
I, don't, I, have, I have no interest in a God that would punish a bunch of people in the dead spirit world based on what the people on the earth did or didn't do. That's stupid. That's being punished for Adam's transgression, and it flies in the face of the doctrine that Joseph tried to teach in the Wentworth letter, that man are not punished for other people's sins. So we have to reconcile all these weird things in the church history and just say, was there something else? Is there something we don't understand? I think the answer is probably, and I admit, I don't know everything about baptisms for the dead, but the way we're interpreting it now and doing it now in the LDS temples, I can tell you 100% it's an apostate practice, and it doesn't mean anything. It's a waste of time, in my opinion. Uh probably won't get into it here today, but the temples is an interesting topic, I think, to um, to maybe discuss sometime if, if we get together again. But, um, well, Mark, I appreciate your time. Sure. Today. It's been fun. Thanks for being so accessible and uh, <laughs> actually responding to an email I sent. To anytime. Emma. Anytime. And so, I, want, yeah. I want everyone that's listening to this to know that I, I don't know everything, but I do wake up every morning and try to study this stuff and understand it better. So ask me in a month or next year what I believe, and you'll find some differences, and it'll evolve. And so I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. And uh, I, But most of all, my ministry is mostly about teaching people to slow down, analyze the teachings, study the doctrines out before you snap it onto your belief system. Be careful what you let in right? Because mm-hmm. that's how apostasies happen. It's not because of unbelief and people not believing what's there. Most of these apostasies, I think, are happening because people are snapping on a bunch of false beliefs to their belief system with no filter. And we're not the first. Uh, the restoration is not uh, unique. It, through the history no. of, of existence, <clears throat> people have truth and they leave truth and they add to truth. That's the history of the but world. We talked that's about the Old Testament. The Old Testament right. was, it, the problem came because people added a bunch of stuff to the story. Not necessarily they came in and took a bunch of stuff out. I mean, they did mm-hmm. that too. But it's really, we got to be careful what gets added to our belief systems. That's where all the damage happens. That's where all the distractions happen. That's where the idolatry happens. Um, yeah, I think the church is to support people in their walk with Christ. But uh, when you start adding on traditions, you have this man-made tradition as a church, and you have to walk through that door to get to Jesus and in my ministry or, or my interest is reading the doctrine of the Book of Mormon that was brought forth in this miraculous day for this time and trying to uh, have that be my door to Jesus. Those those that Jesus that's revealed in the Book of Mormon. It's not even the book. We've too long have defended the book, who that Jesus is. Um, yeah. It brings me closer to He's that. God. Yeah. Yeah. Zizram, right? Are you telling me that, that the son that the son of man is the very eternal father? And and Amulek says, Yes, that's what I'm telling <laughs> that's you. Exactly and what I'm stand telling you. before the bar of him and the Father and the Holy Ghost, who are all one God. Yeah. Just like Moroni, just like uh Abinadi, just like Nephi taught before they were changed in eighteen thirty five, where they scribbled it out and changed the it. Son of, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, very all, consistent. All, all the Book of Mormon teach, teachers of the prophets were, were in agreement on that one. Yeah, everyone. At least until their words were changed. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, hope for the saints. The words of God are true. Yeah. Uh, and mankind likes to muddy it up. But sure. Just, just be, good so, to, be good to each other. Be nice to yeah. each other. Go serve people. You know, be nice to each other. Uh, stand for truth. Learn the truth. Um, use the Holy Ghost and, and, and the tools that God's given us to try to figure this mess out the best you can, and you'll be okay, I think. God yeah. knows what, what condition we're in. He's going to be merciful. As long as we do our part and we stand for truth, 
you know, DNC talks about how those who loveth and maketh a lie have the same fate. So whether or not you made the lie yourself and are responsible for the lie that you believed, it doesn't matter. If you love the lie, you're in the same boat as, as the person who made the lie. So we need to be That's careful. Nice nugget there, Mark, to end with. Thank you. That's very good. Hey, uh, until next time, if we do it next time, maybe, uh, thank you. I so okay. enjoyed your time today. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening. If you like this show, share it with your people. Join the conversation on Facebook, YouTube, or hemlockknots.com, where you'll find show notes and source material for these subjects and much more.